Welcome to Season 2 of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. My name is Peter Ahn. I'm one of your hosts, and I am joined with the lovely Sua Huang. <laughs> Sua, you're doing well today? Doing very well today. Doing very well today. Very well. Well, I think you're not going to do very well after you answer this question. All right, somebody recently um, said to me, we were in a small group and somebody said, oh yeah, and Sue is your celebrity. She's on a podcast. And then the uh, this other person- You are a celebrity. Like, well, no, but the other person was like, yeah, except I don't really know if celebrity is the right word because like Pastor Peter just asks her these questions and she's just naked, lying naked, you know, just bleeding. <laughs> and like figuratively yes, yes. speaking, figuratively speaking, like yes, all these people yes, were looking like, yes. what do you mean she's lying naked? But it's like, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, like he, she's like, he just asks you these questions and you have to like bear it all. This is This is a good one though. This is a good question oh, because a couple of podcasts ago, you, we I asked you if you can change anything about John, what would it be? And you were so hilarious because you kept saying, "For the love of God, pick up your pants." But that's what for the you love said. Of God. For the love of Soak God, soak the dishes. For the like, it was just so. And I'm like, Sue, just one, or right? chill you out. What? He's like been doing four, it. four things. Okay, he's so been doing it. Let's flip it around. Mm -hmm. If John can change one thing about you, oh, I totally know. Okay, yeah, totally. And then know. if it's if, so if Jenny. And I, I got to figure this out for Jenny. What would the one thing be for me? Like if Jenny can change me, what would it be? You, you mean know, is, is the hard part that they have to only pick one? Because I know. Well, yeah. The hard part is we got to try to figure out what mm. it would be. So for you, it seems like it's so easy. It's okay, very so, easy. Okay. Okay, good. So then you go first then. I think what would John, John want to change about could you? change one thing. I think, you know, um, it might be very presumptuous of me, but I feel like it might okay. just be one thing. <laughs> Because this is the only complaint I've heard from him in like the 20 years of us like being together. Um, I think he would love it if I were a little bit more affectionate. Mm. I don't yeah, like I know, physical I know touch. what that feels like. I, I just am not like. into like, I, I hate PDA. I'm not into like physical touch. It's you not my love language. You don't language. like cuddling? You don't like cuddling I in bed? I hate bed? cuddling. I hate cuddling. Oh and God, you know what? Dude, what's like, wrong with my, you? My like trauma is when my children want to cuddle with me all the time. Like yeah. Audrey, she's always like, what time is it? I'm like nine ten. She goes, oh, so we have some time to cuddle. I'm like, no, yeah. just yeah. please, please go <laughs> for the love of God, please. no. <laughs> so, you know, it's really it was really hard for me being a new mom because the kids just touch you all the time. Like they're on you all yeah. the time. Like yeah. they're sucking on your nipple. Like they're always like on you. Their bodily fluids are on you. Like it's just. And I like my own space. Like I like personal really? space. I don't wow. like cuddling. I don't really I don't like holding hands. Like I just my mom said to me that when I was a baby, I didn't like being held. So she said, like what? most borns, like That's they will weird. they will cry if you hold them, right? But she said when she that would hold so me, I would weird. cry. Yeah. Wow. I, you yeah. know, I would love to learn the psychology of that. I mean, clearly like, it's a genetic thing because I don't think a newborn decides that I don't like being touched. Man, that is so weird. Yeah, I think it's just yeah. a genetic thing. And so I very frequently feel touched out. Where like by by eight p.m. I'm like nobody get in my space. Everybody back away, back away. Oh my gosh! Mm -hmm. My oh kids want to hold hands all the time. And listen, I do it because I love them, because I love yeah. my children. So I will hold hands with them. Yeah. But I was doing a lot of hand holding in Rome. I just want to say we were walking six miles every day holding hands. Um, it was a lot. 
You are hilarious. You're <laughs> worse than Jenny, man. I thought Jenny was bad. You're worse than Jenny. No, I'm just not into it. I'm just, you know, um, you know what? Oh. When John and I go to bed, we do have like a like a ritual. We touch toes. Okay. So like one toe is okay. What? Like one toe on my wait, calf. Wait, wait. All right. So I just so that we're connected. But that's so weird. That's but like I don't so want to be like cuddling. So then, like, so then what? Then, like, so if I could, because it's the week pastor podcast, if I can just go mm -hmm. a little in on this one. So then, like, what do you guys do when you want to have sex? When you want to make love? Like, then what? You just turn the switch on. They're like, okay, well, now let's be affectionate. I hate pregame. That's so weird. You love what? I hate, hate, what? I hate, I hate foreplay. Wow. Dude, you are just. It's so okay. overrated. It's not. Yo, John, I feel bad for you, bro. <laughs> Yo, well, when I come out there, right? Let's go right out horses together pretend we're, <laughs> we're pretend we're on yellowstone no, together i just right? want to say that i really love my husband i have never I ever wanted to be with just, another man and i can guarantee you if it was another man i wouldn't even let their toe touch my calf okay <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be six feet of separation at all times it's only because I love John so much that I allow his oh toe God. to touch me. You let his toe touch you. you yes. Me. So it's However, just a switch. Is it so? It's so funny, man. Okay, but I'll tell you something. You guys are hilarious. We, so okay. we went to Italy recently. We went to Rome recently, okay. and John bought me something. Yeah. And then we were walking out of the store, and I found myself naturally holding his hand. <laughs> All right, so what do you buy? You? And you so then John's like, you? John's like, what do you buy? Man, you buy you John, no, no, I can't say. But John's like, see, this is why I have to buy you things because it's only when I buy you things that you're affectionate towards me. You see, so maybe that's I'm, why you have. That's Maybe I'm like a super materialistic bee. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> Maybe, but then it only lasted like ten minutes, and then I was back to baseline. <laughs> back to baseline. So there you go. Love you, John. My you're the best. You are hilarious. You are like what I'm gonna say is like nothing compared to what you're gonna say. Like yeah, so that's hilarious. Okay, thank Did you I for deliver? sharing. That. I hope I delivered. Oh my god, <laughs> you you didn't just deliver. You over delivered on that one because I just that's huge. That's huge. <sighs> All right, so for me, I think I'd have a couple that I think Jenny would love. There's there's a lot. There's a lot that she would like <laughs> to change in me. There really is, all right? The first thing is, is that I'm always in a rush. Like, I'm just, everything has to be, like, at, like, warp speed for me, whether I drive, like, we have to get ready, go on vacation, whatever, like, everything. And I think there's times where Jenny says, you know what? You got to just slow down, man. Slow it down. There's no reason for you to be going at this pace or whatever. And it's not she's she's not like slow, but I think sometimes she's incredibly slow. Like I, I feel like that. In but your I opinion. Because I just, I just go at a warp speed. Mm. You know, like I just at a warp speed and I want her to follow. And so a lot of times she feels really rushed and she doesn't like feeling like that because Jenny is very methodical and she's very like patient in everything she does. And well, so that's she's, why she's not an accountant. Slow. Right. But she's just really good at just being, you know, but for me, I'm like, hurry up, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I know that gets on her nerve. Like that really, really gets on her nerve a lot. And so that's, that's one. The other thing is that I do have a short temper sometimes with her and I'll just snap. Like I don't, I won't like get super angry, but I'll just snap and I'll get upset. And then she's like, and then she knows how to push my buttons and she would be like, she'll get back at me in certain things. Is this like you know, the time thing... when um you brought the wrong cabbage in and then you told her to speak in English? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Why you gotta remember everything the so wrong well? Pitchu, you're like wrong a card pitchu. catalog, and then you you hear me speak. Yeah, I'm like a Rolodex. Take that uh, one April out. 16, like, 2020. <laughs> that's exactly. That's exactly. 
a great a great one all right when she told me to grab the cabbage and i ended up she said it in korean and so i went in, in the fridge and i put everything in a bag and i brought it out she's like no the one that's out of the fridge the one that's in, in a box and i was like speak english you know but yeah but i go at i get i get this i i i like i'll get angry i'll get short-tempered and i'll say very insensitive things like that you know and so she i know would want me to change in that area so unlike you I think Jenny has probably about at least five things she would really, really like to change about me. And the other thing is, you know, she's kind of like you. She's not into like affection as well. She's not a very affectionate person, but I love affection. Affection is like my thing. So I think she would be like, hey, can you just do tone it down a little bit? Like, okay, like we could be affectionate. This is is very like, and this just goes to show that we do not have to adhere to stereotypes because usually <laughs> it's always painted as if the woman is like the emotional. Yeah, man. I always say you're the dude. One. You're the dude in this relationship. So is Jenny the dude? Oh yeah. Jenny is the dude. Yeah. I do you think, are you saying I'm the Jenny dude? Jenny is 100% the dude in the relationship. Okay. But it's so I weird. I call her young name sometimes. I, <laughs> that means big brother. <laughs> big brother because okay, she's but, like a gangster. She's like a gangster like, sometimes. She just like, doesn't care. If, um, I don't know if this is the way it is in your marriage, but I do feel like, when it comes to how we are in the relationship, like emotionally, yeah. I do think I am more stereotypically the dude. But in basically everything else in life, John is the dude. But it's yeah. just that one area of like, you know, <laughs> I don't get jealous. Like I don't like physical touch. That's Jenny. I just, That's Jenny. you know, I don't necessarily yeah. need a lot of That's why you like Jenny so much. That's why you, you're always team Jenny. Is that you why know, you and just I like get along? <laughs> I don't know. We should, no, we should be getting into more fights. Just because we're friends, different, but uh, but yeah, that's why you're always Team Jenny because you guys actually are so similar. I am one hundred percent Team Jenny. No, but Jenny, it's you know, it's not even that. It's just because Jenny just needs nothing from anyone. Yeah, she's yep. just who she is. She's always yep. like just she fun. Has, yeah, she doesn't yep. require anything from me. She doesn't really have expectations yeah. for you. She's just yep. who she is all the time, and that's she's it. just great. Yep. You know, she and could so- be she's. She's an amazing friend because she yeah. has very little expectations. She's a great listener. You know? she's not, she's, she has zero need. She's not know, critical. So, yeah. Like she's just no. great all yeah. around, all yeah. the time. All right, fine. All right. All right, fine. So yeah, so clearly, so you know, you know would be really great because Sua, I'm going to be going on a sabbatical this year. Wait, uh, is it sabbatical year? August till end of October. Wow. Are and- you so excited? I am. And I told her that I would like it if we can come visit you. Yes. And, and do a live show. Okay, but what has she said? Did she still John. say that if John does it, she'll do it? She, she says she'll only do it if John does it. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. She'll only do it if John does it. And she does. It's like, but honey, like we can ask all these fun questions and all that stuff. I mean, it would our it just our listeners would love it. You know, we it would it would probably double triple our typical weekly rating. You know, stuff so. like that. Take it would go crazy. Team, so I'm gonna bring my mic. I'm gonna bring everything with me, just in case we can convince them, convince them to do this. So you know, uh, maybe I I'll think we're have gonna have to get desperate. Sue, I think service. Yeah, Sue, we're gonna have to get desperate. I got maybe some. Maybe I'll be like, and... I will give you a coupon for hand holding for thirty minutes. I'll give you ten coupons. No no, 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 no. Just you will cuddle with him. Every day before you go to bed for 30 minutes. Okay. Can I just pause for a second? I suddenly got a flashback. I suddenly got a flashback of that highly awkward staff meeting when you had just come back from Pizza Zero's like 
marriage like conference <laughs> and you were so excited like you were so and this is the thing about pastor peter you guys have to know is like when something like really resonates with him he decides that this is like a universal antidote to everything. <laughs> like he gets, he just so gets true. so excited. He just gets so excited. 10 out of 10 excitement level. He is yeah, fully yeah, on yeah. board. So he was yeah. like, I just can't wait an extra day. We need to do this at staff meeting. And one of the things that you talked about is like, what was it called? It's called like skin on skin or something like that. What yeah, was skin it called? To skin. Skin, skin to skin. skin. skin to skin. Oh my gosh. Like I would, I, I just remember the mood in that office, like all, all of us just sitting there as you're trying to explain to us the skin to skin where it's like for yes. 30 minutes, you lay with each other fully naked. That's right. You don't have sex. You can't yes. have sex. That's the whole thing is you can't no have sex. sex at the end. It's skin just to skin, skin to skin. Is no sex. Skin. That's right. And literally be naked and not afraid. Everyone. <laughs> So what you have to promise John is you will do that for 90 days every day, skin to skin, 90 days every day. Oh, right? why, do I, why do I have to take the fall? Because then he what might say yes. Offer? What are you going to offer? So I, I will <laughs> offer her uh, no sex for 90 days. Okay, so like that, that's it. So that you offer him sex for 90 days. I'll offer her no sex you for 90 days. To survive you, 90 days. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way i don't know and... if i can survive 90 days of skin to skin i'm just gonna be real no no you you gotta, gotta break go out it. into hives and, and same with me i don't know if i can survive with 90 days of no sex <laughs> but we're gonna do this because we gotta get them on the show right? you, this is how serious we are times about our podcast calls for desperate measures oh my god i don't know we're how pushing this, ourselves to the brink <laughs> all right so anyway oh, we will god. see we will see we'll see what happens but we're gonna try to come out there for sabbatical so we're going to we'll, we'll uh, try to spend a few days with you and have some good Ohio food. And that's maybe a, that's an we can record an episode. Maybe we can record an episode. Okay. Together. So, right. yo, Fingers I would crossed. love to go to a Buckeye football game. You think you can get tickets? Um, I will ask around. I bet, I, you have John, a I bet you John has a practice somewhere, a doctor that has like a whole season pass or something. So, but anyway, those are the highest tickets. I who has season tickets. I wonder if he would sell me one of his tickets. Oh, but it okay. can't be like cool. a good, like a big game. It's got to be like, like Central Michigan State. We went. Did I tell like you that. we went to a Rutgers, um, Buckeyes game? Oh, nice. Yeah. And 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 you guys destroyed us, right? Shoot, it was I terrible. I don't remember. It was like ninety to zero. Okay. I don't remember. Well, it's okay. Wow. Yes. Yes. See, we did like destroy that. You don't remember, yes. but you remember everything else. Yes. No, we did. We else. did. No, because okay. you know why? Shortly after was the Michigan game. And, and you guys lost. They got destroyed. I know. And it was a funeral in Ohio. It was terrible. Because two years in a row it's happened. Yeah. Not it just once. So it happened. And terrible. you Ohioans aren't used to losing to Michigan. They and Jim Harborough has your number for the past two years. And it's crazy. So anyway, yeah. It's so, so. bad. It's so bad. Okay. All right. So why are you whispering? Like, thinking like people are going to actually hear you. Oh, Everyone can hear you. You know, blue is like the color that shall not be named. It's like the Voldemort. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So if I wore a Michigan like like sweatshirt, that would be bad in Ohio. If, um, if I went to your area, Columbus, you know it what? Would be bad, I, huh? I have seen a few people Blue. wear it, but I cannot yeah. guarantee their safety because there's a lot of um, crazy people here. <laughs> um, and in a moment of madness, something really terrible could happen. Oh, so I don't geez. recommend. Do you even have? Do you even have Michigan? No, gear? I don't have okay. anything Michigan gear. But I have so many friends and like so many people in our church who went to Michigan. Nobody goes to Ohio State from Jersey. They, everyone goes to Michigan for some Which reason. Is, University of Michigan. I mean, it's a better school. I, it's a better school. I can't. I can't. 
I can't confirm or deny what you've just said for my own yeah. personal Academically, safety. it's rated um, a higher school. And that's yes. why Koreans I mean, love going to Michigan. I think Sasha Obama is there right now. Yes. Yes, that's right. If it's good enough so for If it's good Sash, enough for the president's for daughter. Then, that's right. Or, that's right. Yeah. So speaking of presidents, we want to talk about uh, faith in the workplace. Kind of like, you know, how can we maintain? I know that wasn't a good segue, but. You know, how can we, you know, maintain our Christian faith at work? So I think that's hard, right? It's hard to think about that because sometimes it's like you're living in two different worlds. You know, you have a Christian church world and then you got your other foot in the professional vocational world and you feel like those worlds cannot mix, right? And I get it. I understand it. I know I've worked for four years. I worked for MSNBC for four years before I went into ministry. So I've actually worked in the marketplace for four years. And I know that this is not easy. It's a challenge. Um, and Sua, you've worked for for a while. How many years did you work for before well, you joined? We should us? also say that this was a topic that was suggested to us, right? Yes. This was a, a topic that was suggested by one of our listeners, which is fantastic. Major, major shout out to to uh to my brother who actually you know uh suggested this should be a topic uh pastor tay major major shout out to you if you're listening thank you so much for your suggestion on that so yeah so anyway yeah so Sue, like how many years did you work as a social worker before you came and served on staff at metro you know what it felt long at the time but when i think about it it wasn't that long so it was i did five years as a social worker oh, in a hospital and then i did yeah. five years at metro and then okay. I think it's been five years since I've been a stay-at-home mom. So it's equal parts okay. five, 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 five. Mm -hmm. Wow. I like yeah. that. Five, five, five. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's not an easy thing, right? I mean, so did you find it pretty easy and natural? Because you're you're not a normal person, in my opinion. You're like what? very what? unique. Wait, hold on. You said it so nonchalantly as <laughs> yeah, if I you're, just go you're just along not, with it. Like, yeah. You're, not you're, a normal you're, person, you're against sure. the grain in so many different ways. Like you don't like affection, you know, so that just you're just different in so many other ways. But like. But for you, was it a challenge for you when you worked when you worked as a social worker to integrate your faith at work? Because I think for a lot of people, it is a challenge, right? Because the work is kind of a place where people don't really talk about faith. And like, at least for me, like working in television, I mean, it's like it's it's kind of like a pleasure seeking fest, you know, kind of like you, when you work in television. It's like, I don't know, like for me, it wasn't an easy thing to to have to express your faith in the workplace because it's like I felt like so many people were trying to hook up at work. It was mm. like it was like a meat market in so many ways, like working in television. And you see that happening with people in power, like the executive producers. You can totally see that they were hitting on interns and production assistants and stuff like that. And like, you know, like and everyone freely, freely talks about, you know, just, you know, their attraction and sex and all that type of stuff. And like, I'm not like, yeah, I got to be careful. But like the stuff that I encountered and I experienced, you know, working four years in television, like people would get fired for right now mm -hmm. if they did what what I encountered and what I experienced and stuff like that. And so in any event, yeah. So like for you though, how was it for you? Was it a challenge for you or was it actually okay? Like it wasn't like really like a, a big deal. I'm going to go with it wasn't a big deal, but there's a wow. reason why. No, That's there was impressive. a reason why. No, I'm no, no. You shouldn't impressed. be oppressed. I'll tell you why. Why? The reason why I think is because I was so young. I was 20, I had just finished grad school. I was 23. So it was between 23 yeah. and about 28. And I was so yeah. young that I don't think I had fully fleshed out what it meant to be a Christian yet. And what I mean by that is there wasn't yet for me such a strong framework that it would, I felt it was clashing with the work. And I know this because um, I was heavily, heavily influenced by the culture at my workplace. 
Um, mm. To give a little bit of a background, like I was a I was a transplant social worker. I was a social worker for a heart transplant um, division, and one of the things that we did was that we would have to assess a candidate to see if they were um, quote unquote I don't know like acceptable to go on the donor list because we always have more people who need a heart or an organ than a person like than an organ that's available. And so only the people that are deemed um, qualified are mm. kept placed on this list. Right. So part of my, of course, like most of that is medical, like to see if the candidate is a good medical fit for a transplant surgery. But a big part of it also is socio socioeconomic. So for example, if they don't have any family support, we're like, no, you can't be listed because who's going to take care of you after you transplant? We're going to just waste mm. an organ, you know, that could have gone to somebody else. Or if you're somebody mm. who's heavily alcoholic or into drugs, we might say, no, you can't, you're not worthy of receiving an organ mm. because you're just going to just blow out this organ again. And that's such a waste of a precious um, resource, right? Or um, if you don't have insurance, we would say you can't be listed because you can't yeah. buy the medications that you would need after surgery because the medications are like 20,000 a month, you know? And so yeah, you, yeah. if you can't get the medications, you will, your heart will die, you know? And so these yeah. are the things that I would do. Um, I will say, I, looking back on it, there's a lot of cringe for me, because I think there's so many things that I would have done differently and not mm. necessarily in terms of like listing or not, or like recommend for listing or not, but more so in um, the way I interacted with the patients. And I say that because there were certain patients that um, because the consensus of our team was very, um, okay, for example, we had a patient who was undocumented. An undocumented okay. patient cannot get insurance. They can mm. get an emergency insurance, which mm -hmm. covers an emergency mm -hmm. bill, but they can't get long-term insurance. If you can't mm. get long-term insurance, um, you can't get med medication after your transplant, yeah. right? Even if you did get a transplant surgery, you can't get medication. So we rejected this individual. The individual's wife got very angry, so they went to the news. They went to the New York Times. And the New York Times wrote this whole piece saying our hospital was being, um, you know, thinking of undocumented people as lesser than we're discriminating and all this wow. stuff. So we got this pressure from the PR department. And so they gave him the transplant. They gave him the oh, transplant. Wow. And then afterwards, um, he would be in the situation where I would have to fill out all of these documents so that he they could renew his emergency Medicaid over and over. Sometimes it would work. Sometimes it would not. But the entire mm. process was very laborious and it was very annoying. I had to do mm. it like every three months very annoying. Everybody called him the illegal guy. Like that was kind of like wow. his name. And so even among like our teams, we would always refer to him like, oh my gosh, that illegal dude's back. Wow. You know? wow. And I never once thought that that was not fair because mm. I just was like, oh yeah, the illegal guy. And you would think some, he was Latin American. I'm from Latin America. Like you would think that there was some level of me being like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. Like we should respect the dignity yeah, of every yeah. person, but I never once considered that maybe the way the culture of my team was viewing this guy was not in line with the way Jesus would have wanted me to view this guy. Okay. I completely hundred percent along went along with it. And I would right, be so right, right, mean right. to him when he would call me and say he needs his forms done. I would be such mm. a jerk to him because I was like, I cannot believe this legal guy is making my job so hard. Right, versus right. having the perspective to be like, first of all, he's not making my job hard. He's trying to live. <laughs> and second right. of all, 
you know, recognizing the fact that God loves me, but God loves him just as much. And I just Mm. didn't have that framework. So when I Mm. say it wasn't very difficult for me, I'm not saying it wasn't difficult for me because I was such a gung-ho Christian that, you know, I just did what was right all the time. It was more so that I don't think I really understood what it meant to be a person of God in a place that is not of God. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't understand the differences. So it's very sad, actually. So, so can I ask you another question then? Um, sure. Was, was like, was your mind ever, you know, cause like sometimes you, you know, you hear people talk about it in church, like you should see your work as a mission field, like you're there because God wants you to lead people to Jesus Christ. Like, did you ever think that when you were working at the hospital that, okay, here are the people in my life that God has brought in some ways, do I need to start trying to see if they would be open to believing in Jesus? Like, has that, did that kind of ever, that thought ever enter your mind as you were working at the hospital? Um, You know what? I don't remember it being an intentional thing. The hospital okay. is very clear about boundaries. Religious. So you cannot okay. talk about your faith. Okay. Um, Even amongst employees? Oh, with employees, you can't, but you can't okay. do it with like the patients. Right, right, right. Everyone I know who I worked with who was close enough to me knew that I was Christian, that I went to church. In fact, it was a big weird thing because one time they found out I hadn't had sex yet and I was engaged at the time. And this became this big topic of conversation. Like something was wrong with you, right? Yes. They were like, Sua is engaged, but they haven't slept together. Like this was like a thing. So (laughs) in those ways, yes, like people knew that Mm. I was a little weird or like I was one of those Christians. Like they knew that. Yeah, and I never yeah. made it, I was never ashamed to tell them that yeah. I was Christian, but do I, did I personally feel the need to like evangelize to my mm. coworkers? I would say that was a negative. You okay. Know? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Especially because you've shared in the previous podcast, you felt like evangelism is just not like your natural tendency to think through that, or it's a gift to yours. Right. I will say though, I feel that more now than I did then, which is very odd oh, because I don't because even have, have a job Spirit anymore. Living inside you like crazy. I don't know about that, but I mean, we can talk about that later. But why don't you talk about your version? Oh, I don't know more about. Okay, so for me, I would say, uh, oh yeah, I, I, I had, I felt the pressure of feeling mm-hmm. like NBC was my mission field. Like, wow, it was so embarrassing. It's it like so, Sodom and Gomorrah so, there, bro. I mean, not bro, but uh, what do I say? Sister, sis. Hey, sis. So, <laughs> you just brought me. So it's so embarrassing. I can't even like. What's I embarrassing? Can't even, like, I can't even confess this because I'm so embarrassed. Okay. Because as soon as I got my internship working at NBC News, I felt like so like I'm called now to lead people to Jesus Christ in this dark world. Like that's but Why is like that embarrassing? Isn't that biblical? No, 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 no. Because no, I. I'm not sure what you what I did. So you know what I did. <laughs> so we had I forget what, what what it's called. Uh, but you know, like back in the day, there was no text messaging, none of that stuff. We all had just regular cell phones and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we would have this internal system of communicating with each other uh, through the computer. It's just like every like where you walked in NBC, you had one of these little. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Basics or something like that. And then you just log in, boom, and you can text message anyone. I figured out the text message address of every anchor at NBC, like Tom Brokaw, Katie Kirk, Matt Lauer, Jane Pauley, you know, Stone Phillips. Now, Lester Holt wasn't really famous back then. So I'm talking about the big people, right? Mm. <laughs> Not your Lester. Sigh. Yo, Sua. I would message them on basics. I would say, Jesus loves you. 
Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You know, uh, believe in Jesus. Like I would just do stupid things like that. But is that bad? You know, like maybe. No, but it's embarrassing. I, I just, I felt like I had this like mission to do this. They never responded once. I was afraid. I was like, I'm willing to get fired for this. Like, I'm just going to do this. But it just wasn't effective. Like, it just wasn't the effective thing, right? And so, so here is that part of me where I feel like, okay, I, we got to figure this out. And then when I got hired to work as a production assistant at MSNBC and I moved to New Jersey, which was great. Like, I felt like, okay, we got to do something, right? And so here's this one part of me where, like, I started a prayer group with a couple people at our job. Like, I found out that they were Christian. So, okay, it was like, on this day, rather than eating lunch, let's get together and we'll just pray. We'll pray in one of the green rooms. And so we did that. We would pray and we'd pray for MSNBC. We'd pray for certain people that we work for, that they would come to know Jesus and stuff like that. So there was that part of me. But then here's the other part. I mean... There are some beautiful women in television, like working in television. And I worked in that environment. And so there's like this temptation world that I was struggling yeah. with, you know, because, you know, it went down from like interns to production assistants to producers, editors. It's just like, you know, and honestly, like when, when I was working in television, I don't know if it's like this now, but it was a meat market. Like basically it was a meat market where people met each other, people hooked up and all that kind of stuff. So like there's this part of me like, okay, this is like my evangelistic world. But then there was another part of me like like lust was like such a big struggle and things like that. I was like, oh, my God, like this is a perfect place for me to potentially maybe hook up and Sounds nobody would intense. know. So it was just crazy. So here I am. I got like one foot in the world and one foot like not in the world. And I'm trying like to try to do my best to, you know, walk the straight and narrow. And everyone always says, hey, how's your weekend? How's your weekend? And I'm like, no, it was great because, I you know, I loved going to church at the time. But what did you do? And I would say, oh, no, I went to church and I would and, and I didn't want to lie because but then after like saying that for successive years, I felt like such a loser because I'm like, what did you do? Oh, yeah, we went out, went to a club, did this partying thing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And so like I kind of felt like there was a part of me and this is why I, I'm, I'm very sympathetic towards people who struggle to express their faith because it's not easy to say that you're a follower of Jesus in a workplace, especially when you're in a workplace where like mm -hmm. the majority of the people don't even believe in God. Like it's just, it's just a reality. And so there is that it's you're torn in that yeah. way. Yeah. You know, here I am in my early twenties working at this place and you're just meeting some, you know, pretty cool people and stuff like that as well. And then like you're involved in the television industry, you're being invited to different parties, you know, and I go to some, I don't go to all of them. And it's just, it's really tough, you know, and I work with producers that like, they're like, you know, I'm, I was their production assistant and they're, and like, I knew this one producer and he would cast people for commercials so he can try to sleep with them. Oh my gosh. I mean, it was, it was just like that. Sua. Yeah, yeah. So this is the world that it's I was the exposed culture. to. It's the culture. Yeah. We would place. go into yeah. edit rooms. Like we would go to New York and like, cause you know, our edit rooms didn't have the technology to do like big, like, you know, generic commercials. And so we'd have to go there and spend like two, three days in the city and like, again, like, yeah, like this guy's intentions, like, listen, I'm going to put you in a promo, blah, blah, blah. And like, let's start hanging out and kind of like he would do this to get mm -hmm. girls. And so it was hard. The temptations were overwhelming. It was really difficult. And so I am incredibly sympathetic towards people saying that this is a challenge. It's not easy. And it's not. It's not easy. But I do think like, you know, we can still approach work where we can be who we are and say who we are. And I don't think it's a bad thing to admit that, yeah, you struggle as well like anyone else and like if i knew what i knew now and i worked at nbc i would just be like man this is really like this is a struggle like it is a struggle but i'm gonna just keep doing my best it's like moving forward moving forward you know and stuff like that but there are a lot of temptations there are a lot of temptations
temptations in the workplace. I don't know about you, but like, there's a lot of temptations when I was in the workplace, um, you know, with women being very flirtatious and different things like that, that, you know, typically like you don't ever experience that in church. But then when you're in that world, it's like there's a part of you. And I'm, and I'm just I'm happy to say that I never fell into that temptation. But did I have thoughts? Oh, my gosh. I had thoughts and stuff like that, fantasies and stuff like that. Um, you know, I'm just grateful that I was never able to act on them. But, yeah, it was it was it was it was really a challenging. It was a challenging time. And I understand it. But at the same time, such a fruitful time because I understand better people who go to work and, and the sort of the temptations and the struggles that they go through as well. And not on, on top of that. And then it's like a very cutthroat environment because everyone wants to get promoted and they don't care if they screw you over to get promoted. Like it's just a, it's, it's a tough, tough industry. And so just encountering all of that and feeling like you're not getting promoted because somebody else got promoted ahead of you and they've done a good job of just kind of like, you know, trying to, they don't care about you and stuff. So anyway, just dealing with all that stuff. So it was, it was, those four years were definitely a challenge for me. And I realized after that, like at the end, you know, like when God called me to be a pastor, like I was so grateful and people were like, Hey, was it like a real big sacrifice for you to leave MSNBC? I was like, are you crazy? It would have been a sacrifice <laughs> if I stayed. I am so delighted that I left that world and uh, put it behind me and follow where I felt like God was really calling me, you know, and calling me into full-time ministry. So it was hard. It wasn't easy at all. It was definitely, definitely a challenge for me. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm going back to what you said about how you felt like, you felt like, um, you know, your workplace was your missions field and God yeah. sent you to this dark Sodom and Gomorrah equivalent of the modern world where there's oh like depravity it was and a, sexual was immorality and Oh my happening. gosh. Yeah. And, and, you know, you really felt like called and I think this is a question that we think about a lot, you know, is, um, so what is the mandate of a Christian in a workplace? Like, should we yeah. be prioritizing evangelizing? Um, like, should we be texting people, Jesus loves you, um, or some, you know, something similar, like, and I think oh, I think about this a lot because even as I've gotten older, so that was in my twenties, I'm almost 40 now. And I've thought yeah. a lot about like, what is, you know, yes, we have our callings, like, and sometimes we equate yeah. with our professions, but ultimately like, what is my calling in this stage right. of my life? Like, what is it that God really wants me to do? Like, does he want me to be handing out tracks during my lunch break? You know, like, does he want me to go to H Mart and be handing out four spiritual laws? Like what, like, what does it mean for us yeah. um, to be called, right? Or to be yeah. Um, God's people in a certain place. And I think I think about that a lot. You feel like yeah. you look like you have something to say. Yeah, no, no, no. So I, I, here's 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 my comment because I'm I'm just so grateful you asked that question. So, you know, I if I if I could redo it all over again, and this is why I think it would be so easy for you and for me, because I think sending the text messages to like the Tom Burrow calls the Kitty Court, that was ridiculous. I should have not done that. But I thought, well, maybe this will impact their life. I made that more about me. And making myself feel good about myself that I was willing to do that, mm -hmm. put my job on the line to do that. That was really very, it was a very self-centered move there. I do also think like sending, you know, giving people tracks, all that kind of stuff, like at work, whatever it might be, that too is BS. Like you shouldn't, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you've done that. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't think that's an effective way to evangelize in the workplace. The best way to do this is to build friendships with people. And you're very good at that, Sua. You know, I've built friendships with people at NBC as well. 
And it's through those relationships that you will have honest conversations with people. Honest kind. This is what happened at some of the moments, like some of the real good moments at NBC is that as you've nurtured relationships, like this one friend, I, he became like a business partner for me for a little bit before I went into ministry. We kind of had our own little advertising thing going together. Um, and so like he knew my faith, you know, I talked to him a lot about faith and, you know, and I prayed for him on things and he, we talked about God. There was another woman that I would talk with and, you know, it's so cool because we're still friends on Facebook. And I told her about like how much, you know, like I'm a Christian. I invited her to come out to church. We talked about spiritual things and they even asked for prayer, you know, things like that. So I just think the friendship evangelism is the best way. Like the, the idea of going in there and being like, okay, here I am. I got to try to transform the world. No. Be friends with your coworkers, the people that God has brought into your life. Nurture that relationship. And because God's a part of your life, you should naturally, naturally just be able to share things and uh, really share your story. Like those things can happen. And I always, I always tell people the best way is to just share your story. You don't have to give a theological discourse as to why Jesus is God. Like that, I don't think anyone really who's not a Christian really wants to hear that. They want to hear how, why has God transformed your life? Why has Jesus really transformed your life? And there are ways in how you can do that by sharing your story, right? By sharing. So like the best example I could give is like, you know, somebody's really struggling like at work and they're sharing about like how they grew up in like a real broken home then that's an opportunity for me to now share about my story. Like, yeah. hey, I grew up in the same kind of home. I grew up in a very abusive home and it was really messed up and it messed me up in so many ways. We're showing commonality. And then in that process, then I could just say, but you know, like if I can just share with you, like what's really helped me to this day is really God, is Jesus. I wouldn't have been able to do it. And this is how Jesus has really impacted my life. That to me is the best way to evangelize and even just inviting people to your church. Now, I know some people don't have the churches in which they can do it, but my wife, Jenny, when she started working at Sharp, she invited like a bunch of people to come and visit our church. And it's just really cool. Like, and you know, Jenny is not talking about like, they all know she's a pastor's wife, but she's not like Jesus, Jesus at all at work. <laughs> in fact, she can be a little mean at work, but she invites her coworkers and you know, one of them gave their lives to the Lord. Two of them got baptized at our church. Mm. you know and stuff and she just invited them to come and be a part of our church service and check it out and like they started being a part of it and one you know ended up bringing her husband and they ended up becoming a real amazing you know part of our church and even though they they moved since because they retired they moved to uh pennsylvania they still follow us virtually and they come to our family camps and it's just like a beautiful thing so i don't think it has to be like you're this missionary and you got to go and save people for jesus but it's just just go there and love Love the best you can and just be who you are. And don't be afraid to share your story of how God's impacted your life. And just make sure you care for them. And, and you know, and if and if they need something, like, you know, you can say, listen, I'm willing to drive you to the doctors if you don't have anyone to take you. And then afterwards, we can just come back to work or something like that, you know, and things. So we, we have to be willing to, like, go out of the way, even, like, serving and loving the people that we work with. So I think that's probably the best way to, like, express your faith at work. I mean, and for me, yeah. I think for so long, I was always taking like thinking I had to go in there like a missionary and change everyone, you know, pass out <laughs> I mean, tracks. Uh, I agree. Tell Tom Broco, Jesus loves him. <laughs> um, Goodness me. I'm going to go see if you only texted the pretty ladies. Um, <laughs> no, I did. Tom Broco, Matt Lauer, Katie Quirk, Jane Pauly. <laughs> Matt Lauer really needed Jesus. Oh, oh, yeah. But back oh then, God. he was a no-namer. He just read the headlines for today's show, right? Mm. It was Brian Gumble. Right. And Katie Kirk. And those are like, you know, the, the big people back then. So Matt, Matt Lauer was not big. Like, I feel like, um, so, you know, did you ever hear, I heard someone recently say, I don't know if it's a saying or this person was saying it, but they were basically saying that if you get a bad rep, 
because of Jesus. Like if you get persecuted because of Jesus and people think mm. ill of you because of Jesus, then, you know, glory to God. But if Jesus gets a bad <laughs> rep because of you, that's on you, right? That's like yeah. a whole different yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, I yeah. think that's kind of like a picture of Christians today yeah. in America. But yeah. I feel like this is something that's very relevant, I think, for us, not just in the workplace, but in general, wherever we may be. Because like you said, relationships are great. And, you know, knowing that you are Christian and um, if somebody feels like they have questions about faith or someone feels like they maybe need some prayer or something like that, to know that you're accessible to them is great. Hmm. But what does that look like if in your general life, you have not been showing the character of Jesus um, right. to those people or the love of Jesus right. to those people? Yep. Because you know we don't live in a vacuum. People see you. And especially yeah. at the workplace, they see you. You Absolutely. spend so many hours of your life yep. with your coworkers. Yep. Yep. They see how you work. They see the, um, the character that you have, the dignity yep. that you put into your work. And I feel like these are the things that you have to think about, especially somewhere like that. Um, where you are representing Jesus, you might be the mm -hmm. only version of Jesus that they are seeing and they're encountering. Right. And That's so right. you want to be the kind of person that they do want to turn to when they're struggling. And who's going to yes. turn to somebody who's a mean jerk, who hates everybody, mm -hmm. or even somebody who's, there's nothing different about you. Like, why would they come to you? Like, why would they find you curious? Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I completely agree with everything you said. But in addition to that, I also think that, um, you know, at the very basic level, you yourself have to be continually being shaped into Jesus, like into Jesus's character. And people are, yeah. have to be able to see that right. from you or else there's nothing about your life that's going to be different um, from theirs. The other thing that I wanted to um, maybe ask you about also is um, like, oh my gosh, I totally blanked out. I was looking at a reflection of myself. <laughs> And then this door and thinking that really needs to be windexed. And then I completely are, are, are you are you dog. are you hypnotized by the reflection of yourself? So beautiful. So beautiful. No, but seriously, yourself? I just completely lost my thought. It's I have something okay. very important to talk about. No, it'll come back, I promise you. But you know what? As you're thinking about that, let me just, just yeah. kind of reinforce what you just shared because it is really important. Like you should be living your life in a certain way that does reflect Jesus in some ways. And uh, and you shouldn't just be going along with everyone. So like if you're going out for drinks with your buddies at work and you're getting drunk and blasting and talk about every hot girl and all that kind of stuff, then, yeah, they, you know, they probably don't really think you're a Christian because you're just like them. But there has to be a little bit of a difference there, a reality of who you are and that there is a deep value that you have in being a follower of Jesus Christ. That if you don't value that, then there's nothing you can really do about trying to make, you know, bring faith into your workplace. But you got to be able to live your life with character and integrity. That is so key, like character and integrity. And I know, Sue, a couple of episodes ago, you talked about like, should you read books from authors that have felt, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. And I think what you're saying is this, like, I don't know if I could read books from these authors that, ha that have shown that they don't have the character, right. had character and nor integrity. integrity. Yeah. And I get that. And I think that's really important because you know what? When people see people of high character and integrity, it is like you don't have to be a Christian to appreciate it. Non-Christians appreciate it. It's in every leadership book of like, you know, great leaders have character and integrity, you know, things like that. These are things that even our culture values so much, but they don't see in leaders and people and stuff like that. Like you'll be a great witness just by showing character and integrity in what you do you know, and stuff like that. And I think that's really important. So yeah, I, I will reiterate that. Like as, I as long as like, I was gonna say. You're true, you're true. Do you remember? So it kind of goes along with that, but you know, so, you know, like 
the poster boy, anytime I feel like I've heard a sermon series on faith in the workplace, it's always been like the, the person that they always talk about is Daniel. Like, I feel like he's the poster okay. boy for this. Yep. Do you feel like he's also the poster boy for this? And they always talk about how Daniel was so excellent yeah. and yeah. there was no fault with him. And that, you know, that's kind of how we should aspire to be also, yeah. Um, yeah. to be so excellent at our jobs. And you know what? Completely, 100% agree. Mm -hmm. But the thing that always strikes me about that story, though, is like Daniel had zero compromise when it came yep. to blending his personal faith life and also yeah. his secular life. Yeah. And I think Absolutely. a lot of times we are so tempted to become a different version of ourselves or not even that, yes. but just bend a little bit, just like a yep. little bit, maybe not completely throw our morals or yeah. throw our right and yeah. wrong or throw, you know, um, what God wants us to do out the window, but maybe just compromise a little bit. And I think that is so dangerous because it's such yes. a slippery, um, you know, just, road to start compromising a little bit of our faith mm. you know well everyone else is doing it if you want to get promoted you have to do this and you know in your yeah. heart and only you know because i'm not here to tell universally this is the way you should do it and this is not yes. but if you have a relationship with god the spirit will tell you when he is not happy with something you are doing like you have convictions and you have a yeah. relationship yeah. yeah and when you start saying yeah but Everyone else is doing it. This is workplace. This is not church. This is not my mm -hmm. personal life. I think it gets really, really dangerous. And yes. to add to that, you know, going back to my initial story about, you know, my quote unquote illegal patient. Yes. I do wonder if I had had the kind of knowledge and relationship with God that I have now. And hopefully if that happened to me now, I would not talk to him in that disrespectful way mm. or be mean mm. to him or demean him um, as if he does not have the image of Jesus in him as well. Um, and maybe if I had done that, and I'm not even being like, oh, like maybe, but honestly, if I had been different, that would have been such a better testimony to the people that work with me to say, huh, I wonder why she's doing it differently. Like, I wonder where she gets this ability yeah. to not be irritated yep. every time he brings these papers and show yeah. him dignity and love and um, yeah. treat him with dignity. Like, where does she get yeah. that? That would have That's been right. such a more powerful right. testimony than me sitting there and telling them about the four spiritual laws or where will you go if you die right. tonight right. or right. any kind of information. Yep. That in itself, that love of Jesus that flows out in my natural day-to-day yeah. -day would have been such a better testimony than anything else. And I think that's why I say to be who you are without compromise, whether in the workplace, yes. whether in your friendships, wh wherever yes. you may be, to be yes. who Jesus wants you to be. Um, right. It would have been the biggest. And so it would have been a great testimony to not only them, but also to your coworkers mm -hmm. for them mm -hmm. to see that and be like, yeah. wow, she's so different from us because yeah, yeah we call him the illegal, mm -hmm. you know, this sort of this pain in our butt but let you treat him with such love and dignity. Right. And I think it would have been right. a great witness both ends. So the only other thing I would just add to this is simply this, like you got to cut yourself some slack too. So like if you make a mistake, yes, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Get back up and just try again the best mm -hmm. you can. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think like we just feel like, well, it's never going to work. I'm never going to succeed. It's terrible. I'm horrible, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm just going to go, you know, I just, just keep trying. It's okay. Cut yourself some slack. We're all broken, flawed people and it's okay. And uh, like in a situation like that, so it could have just been like, you know what? Like, yeah, you could go to your coworkers and be like, you know what guys, like, I realize, like, you know, I've been, we've been, you know, we've been calling this guy illegal, but 
you know what, I just don't want to do that anymore. Like it just doesn't sit well with me. Like that, that, you know, like you could easily do that, but sometimes we get discouraged and we say, you know what, forget it. I'm not going to do this anymore. But I think there's always ways in how we can go back and, you know, just be honest and be vulnerable about even our own mistakes mm -hmm, mm -hmm. saying that we're going to change, you know, kind of, that kind of way. So I think there's always ways. Just cut yourself some slack. Don't be so hard on yourself and just believe that, yeah, God has called you to be a part of wherever you go in terms of work to be salt and light because that's what he calls us to, to be salt and light in a very dark world in which you and I live in today. But that happens, I think, best when you're building intentional relationships with people and you're not just being their friends because you want to lead them to Jesus. But you're being their friends because you really do love and care for them. So start in a place where you should start praying for them regularly. And hopefully you guys could develop a relationship and then you'll be able to maybe just share and fight to a church, whatever it might be. But have discussions about faith because people are more open to that stuff now than ever before. You could tell because look at the kind of movies that are coming out right now. Look at the kind of like the Jesus Revolution you know, um, chosen, like everyone is into spirituality in a way that they were back when I was growing up. Right. But now people are more open to hearing things and having, I think, deeper conversations about spirituality. And it's a good, it's a good time to really talk about it. And I think it's a, it's a, it's an opportunity for us potentially at work, but yeah, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Live your life with as much character and integrity at work and at home and at church and all those places. Don't, you know, don't put your, I was reading uh, James you know, you know what, Suez James is becoming like one of my favorite books in the Bible now because that boy. Didn't play. Martin Luther want to nix out James from the Bible? He wanted to nix out James. I, I think that was a crazy idea. I don't think Martin Luther really knew, but James now James, my, my boy James, don't play around because you know why? <laughs> when you read James, he doesn't seem very grace filled, right? Because it's not very, it's very works based, and that's yes. why Martin Luther had a problem with that because Martin Luther was so grace bound. And I get it, but Martin Luther, uh, but James just don't play. He just basically says this: if you have one foot in the world. And one foot with God, like you will live an absolute miserable life. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like it would just be an absolute, basically it's just like, why would you even do that? Yeah. Either go all in in the world yeah. or go all in with God. Don't put one foot there and one foot the other way. Cause it's just going to lead to a life of misery, sadness, all that stuff, sinfulness and all that stuff. So yeah, I just think, you know, put both feet, you know, um, with God and uh, with, with the kingdom and uh, with the church and that way. And, uh, and hopefully you'll have the courage just to be friends and to share. And you, you know, you don't got to do four spiritual laws because they're still doing that till this day. Do you know that, Sua? People are teaching that stuff wrong with the four campuses. spiritual laws per se. It's just not the right way to do it. Um, it's just, you know weird what? I don't want to like, say that. I don't want to say there's, it's the that's right a Billy way Graham to do it. Um, actually, I don't think it was, it was, wait, what was the name of the guy? Bill Bright. Bill Bright was the one who I think crew triple c yeah the crew yeah. i don't i mean i don't want to say it's like the wrong way because i don't no, really it, think there's a wrong way to evangelize i mean you know what that's not true a lot of the way like we went in and wiped out complete cultures in the name yeah, of jesus those are all the wrong, wrong ways way. it's um, the wrong way but i do want to say i don't want to like completely say it's the wrong way because i do know that mm. people god works in very mysterious ways and if god mm. for some reason calls you to go share the four spiritual laws with somebody you know yeah. and it's um, worked yeah and I'm it works it hasn't. and i think to your point about feeling like you were you know like the missionary going into this place and doing it i think the thing that we do is we put this pressure on ourselves to do what only God can do as if we are lightening the load for God or as if like, we're just, um, we can't save people. Like it's not up to us. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, as long as you are foundationally, um, 
walking with Jesus, he will illuminate the things that he wants you to do in that moment in that day. And all we have to do, and I know it sounds so cliche, but I think this is what I'm learning more and more is we just have to be faithful. And you know what? I say just, but it's very difficult to be faithful because sometimes it's much more exciting to do the big things, to be like getting the big guys for Jesus. But God's like, that's not what I'm asking you to do. This is more about you than it is about them. Mm. You need to be faithful to me and be obedient to me. And that is not what I asked you to do. Stay in your lane. This mm-hmm. is what I'm asking you to mm-hmm. do. And I think we really have to be obedient to what God's calling us to do mm. in that moment, even if mm. it doesn't sound as exciting as the thing that mm-hmm. you thought. Because I think that's where we run into a lot of problems is when we decide what it is that God wants us to do because it sounds exciting and enticing to us. Right. Whereas right. God's like, that is not your lane. This is your lane. Come back over here, you know, and it's as much about our own spiritual formation as it is about the evangelism itself, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, You know, when Bill Bright came up with that, like in the 60s and 70s, I mean, it was during a time where people believed God was dead. Like they Mm -hmm. didn't really believe in God. And so you had to kind of like prove here's here's what happened. But we live in a time and day and, and age right now where people do believe in God. They believe I, I, they don't necessarily believe maybe in the Christian God, but they do believe there's a higher being. So it's a completely different cultural landscape that we have to be aware of. That I think what people want to see is Christians actually being transformed by God's presence and yes. His life, and they want to see it in real time. And that's yeah. like you said, yeah, we got to try to be faithful, just try to be who we are to the best we can, and uh, and love the best we can and also share our stories with the people that we've befriended and and been in a relationship with and stuff like that. So it's, it's not easy. I get it, but it's, it's something that we all have to do. And I hope that if you're on your way to work right now, say a prayer that God would use you today in a sense where you would be able to have character and integrity and just pray just for your coworkers. Just pray that maybe God will give you an opportunity to open up a door where you can share your faith and how God's impacted your life to them. And I guarantee if you're like serious about that and you pray that God will open the door somehow, mm-hmm. that there will be a way in how you can do it, whether it be like, listen, I'll drive you to wherever you need to go. You know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of you or whatever it might be, but God, there's opportunities in how we can share our love, uh, the love of God with other people in that way. And hopefully that'll spark some conversations, you know, and things like that. But, uh, but yeah, so hopefully that can happen, but God, you know, like you said, the closest thing that people will ever get to encountering Jesus will probably be through you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the opportunity that you you carry with you potentially every day as you go to work. That the closest thing that they can ever get to encountering Jesus can be from you. And so hopefully you'll take that as you go to work and as you think about that and you'll, and you'll hopefully you know be able to uh, impact and change that area for the Lord, uh, change that that workplace for the Lord one day and, uh, and be a blessing, be salt and light over there. And so, yeah. Take pressure off yourself, cut yourself some slack, and just go forward and do the best you can. Right? Any thoughts, Sua? Why are you no, smiling? No, I think no. I think that's it's funny because you're like just cut yourself some slack. Cut yourself some slack because I was so well, hard. Some on people myself. need to oh. cut themselves less slack. I'm just gonna say that. That's I'm true. Just put that's that true. Out there. That's true. Okay. You know I'm so who intense. you are. You know who you I'm are. I'm so intense. Yeah, that's I right. Mean, some of you, man, you better, you're, you're you better the person who went and started basic messaging people. Jesus loves you. Okay. Some that's people that's need great. to start considering doing some stuff. Do you know how long it took me to figure out their 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 login names? You know, because you got to. It's not just you know because for these celebrities, it's not just T Brokaw. <laughs> 
it's just not because then everyone will be messaging them, right? Do you know how long it took me to figure out all of their logins? That's it so took me forever. Funny. And when I found it, I was oh, so happy. And I thought angry. I was doing God's work. I'm crazy. I'm we crazy. better go. My dog is starting to bark okay. saying it's time to go. So Well, listen, thank you so much for listening. Again, tune in next week. Thank you again. And hopefully you'll comment on our comment section if you have any questions or thoughts. Take care. Bye.